Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host for this podcast. Welcome to the show. So today's episode, we're going to talk circuit breakers, and this is a spontaneous, a spontaneous podcast, because I saw a post online where somebody was concerned because breakers were getting warm and and... People were shuffling around breakers. They're wanting to put more ventilation inside of an enclosure and, and all these kind of things. And all that's good and it might be necessary. But reality is perception versus what is necessarily the right course to make uh, when it comes to things like circuit breakers. So one of the concerns that people have is that circuit breakers, they get overheated or they get too hot. Or are they going to not function? Uh, well, we have to remember that most of them have a, a thermal component. Uh, and, and and that's kind of inherently built into the device. So you actually have what's called a maximum heat rise that all these manufacturers have to test to when it comes to circuit breakers. So getting past the, the portion of where they're nervous about the heat that's generated. Uh, to, so we're going to talk a little bit about UL-489, UL-943, uh, and UL-1699. Now, 489 is a UL standard, uh, Underwriters Lab, and that deals with the typical everyday circuit breaker. Okay, That's what that's really geared towards. All right, uh, And then, of course, the uh, UL-943 is dealing with that GFCI, and dealing with that, mainly we'll talk about the ones because we're worried about the heat. So we'll talk about how they're installed in a panel. Uh, and then, of course, 1699, which is the UL standard for arc fault circuit interrupters. Um, so all of these things get tested. So let's talk about just in general about breakers. How do they have to meet? Because even though these breakers might be part of UL 943 for GFCI or, or 1699 for um AFCI, they still have to meet the basic core of UL 489 because they are still circuit breakers, right? They still got to meet that requirement. So I get a lot of call. I used to actually get a lot of these from the home inspection industry that'll ask, but they're getting warmer, they're warmer. Okay. Now, again, we have to be conscious of certain things because warm can be we don't know what that is to anybody. Warm to some person could be downright hot to another. We, we, we don't know. So let's kind of look at the functions of a circuit breaker. So under UL 489, every single circuit breaker must complete an overload sequence X test to receive the UL listing. So it's got to go through a specific test. Now this test involves opening and closing the circuit breaker at 600%. You hear me? 600% of the rated current for 50 operations. So it has to pass this test. So these breakers are getting tested. Trust me. The manufacturers spend a lot of time testing the reliability of these devices. Okay. So they're tested at 600% of their rated current. And they do this for 50 operations. Now, this exposure, the breaker is 
uh, it, it exposes that actual breaker to a much higher internal temperature than you would ever expect under a normal use in the field. Trust me. You're never going to usually get to that application. So, following the overload test, the circuit breakers are tested at a 100% rated current and cannot exceed 50 degrees C or 90 degrees Fahrenheit temperature rise at the wire terminal connections uh, in a 40 degrees C open air environment. So yes, they're not tested in enclosures. They are tested in an open air environment that does have air circulation, so that leads a lot to this. But remember, even though it's subjected to that, it's still subjected to the overload tests uh, under 600% of its rated current, under 50 operations. Uh, and so it, it does have these multiple tests that, that, that take place. Okay. Now, in this test or in this process, this temperature test uh, may also be performed in an enclosure. Okay. So if it's performed in an enclosure, it an enclosure at 80% rated current, and then the temperature may not exceed 65 degrees C or 117 degrees Fahrenheit rise over ambient. Okay, so ambient temperature around in the enclosure, you have the ambient temperature that makes up this the total annular space of this enclosure, and you load it to 80% of its current rating, and that temperature cannot exceed 65 degrees C or 117 degree F rise above the ambient, whatever the ambient would be around it. Okay, so it's tested. Now, this test ensures that the manufactured product has been designed to prevent overheating throughout the lifetime of exposure to heat as well as arcing that takes place. Okay, all of those things have to take place for these devices to pass all these tests. So a lot of people do freak out with the heat. Um, and it's good to use. I use the infrared guns and I do check the heat and I do look for things that might be reminiscent of not just heat because of the device, but maybe heat because of a poor connection. So whether I'm getting that heat at the terminal or I'm actually getting that heat at the bus or maybe I'm getting that heat at different parts of the actual breaker as it makes connection to the bus, all those things you got to take into account as you're shooting it down. You just don't shoot it right at. I mean, you got to know where to to look at these breakers and look at the terminations. And and if I see a breaker that's warm, I'm the electrician. I might pop that breaker and look at the termination, see if I see any discoloration, see if any heat buildup that causes the copper or the bus to to actually discolor that might be because the gapping of the breaker's not right or or maybe the breaker's too loose or I'm looking for those things. But if we're talking about pure heat and how it affects the breaker, you got to remember that if it gets too hot, the breaker's thermal aspect is going to trip off as well. So it's kind of covered in these devices. Now, does that mean they will always and never have a, an issue where they'll never fail? Absolutely not. But it's about all you can do. And just because a AFCI or a GFCI, because of its internal components and the loads it might be on them, because everything is very load dependent, it might be running a little warmer than maybe another breaker that's around it that really has no load on it. So it's hard to compare the two loads. You might have just got a, a breaker that, uh, since most of the stuff in the house now is going to be AFCI or uh, GFCI, then you might have a breaker that just has substantial more load on it being pulled. Okay, so you have to take those things into consideration. Now let's talk about the plastic housing that holds these breakers. Uh, what about that? Because that stuff just doesn't melt down unless there's a serious, significant issue going on. So, the plastic housing on these circuit breakers 
uh, are generally produced out of what's called a dielectrite, uh, which is uh, a separate type of material that has a certain amount of glass-filled thermoset polyester that's mixed in. Uh, the heat deflection temperature of this type of dielectrite uh, is very high, and it's put under pressure uh, at a uh, couple hundred psi load, and and basically, um, it it's able to take exposure to high levels of temperature. Now, this means that the ambient temperature within a circuit breaker would need to reach to the elements of 260 degrees Celsius or 500 degrees Fahrenheit before the plastic material would begin to break down structurally. Now, we see that with poor connections or arc conditions that it can get that high over time. Um, So that is where you see them break down. But usually there's going to be some evidence. So just because I'm shooting a thermal infrared gun on these breakers and I'm getting something that's roughly 20 to 25% higher than maybe the breaker that's next to it or or a couple breakers away, uh, it's very load dependent. Understand what these breakers are tested at. Uh, And so those are a lot of things to take into consideration. Now, the breaker circuit breakers, they've been designed to function both electrically and mechanically at temperatures that exceed 90 degrees C. That's 194 degrees Fahrenheit. All right? So the UL test procedure is actually developed, okay, such that any listed circuit breaker, it doesn't matter whether it's AFCI, GFCI, or a regular standard circuit breaker, should not exceed that 90 degrees C or 194 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, It shouldn't exceed that. Now, if you get values that do exceed that, remember you're measuring the difference between 90 degrees C versus 194 degrees Fahrenheit. Here's the thing. We usually measure everything in electrical field by 90 degrees Celsius, but then the infrared guns and things we do, we're so used to testing things at a Fahrenheit. And so making sure you don't get the two confused and understand that, we're, that if you're reading it with a, a gun that's reading Fahrenheit, that that's the scale you're in. Okay? And really where the load's going to take place in arcing is at the terminals. The internal, if you're heating up a breaker, more of your heat's going to be at the terminal. But if I have something internal to the breaker that's heating up and I'm shooting that, that infrared maybe at the point that's closest to the bus, uh, in, internally I'm getting such a high level, then I want to pull that breaker loose and I want to check it to see if there's any deformation, if the gapping is right, if you can look at the bus where it connects to, if it's discolored, because if it turns, if it gets a lot of heat there because of arcing or a poor connection, then you're going to see arc marks, you're going to see etchings, you're going to see all these things that, that let you know that you've got heat build up there. Sometimes you'll see what looks like oil with the different colors in it, kind of like a spectrum, that tells you that the metal is being heated up. And so those are different things that you're going to look for on the bus. Okay, but the heat that you measure, understand that these breakers can handle quite a bit of heat. And just because a circuit breaker is running hotter than one next to it also could be the fact that you have a certain types of loads that are running through this breaker and this other one might not have loads. So at that point, I might click an amp probe on and take a reading and see what kind of load we've got. And that might tell you the tale. Okay. Um, so these measurements are taken at the load terminal. Now, homeowners and inspectors do not inspect the load terminals, okay? That, that they, feel, um, they feel the cover of the panel or inside the breaker. They feel it, and they assume that it's warm, okay? 
that that's what they usually feel and that's usually where they start getting concerned or something like that. It really is more detailed than that and you just have to convey to the customer that information. Now, heat rise of exposed parts. Let's look at that. So under UL 489, again, circuit breaker, there's a paragraph 7.1.4.1.6. And here's what it states. It says the maximum temperature on handles, knobs, and other surface subject to the user contact during normal operation shall not exceed 60 degrees C or 140 degrees Fahrenheit on metallic and 85 degrees C or 185 degrees Fahrenheit on non-metallic surfaces. So if your customer is testing those non-metallic or metallic surfaces and they're not exceeding 140 degrees Fahrenheit for a metallic or 184 degrees Fahrenheit for non-metallic surfaces, then they should not be concerned at all. Now, UL67, now this governs panel boards. It's kind of silent on the allowable temperatures of the dead front and the cover. So even though something feels warm, it might push you to do an additional investigation. Look at the breakers. Look how they're seated, if they're loose. Um, that was another big issue for Zinsco's and um, FP, uh, uh, Federal Pacific's. It really wasn't so much the connection. Is it when they were loose, then what happened because they were flopping around in the panel then they would generate enough a, a lot of heat, and that could be a problem as well. So it's all about the termination. That's the important part. Okay, so there is that you know that aspect of it, but there's really no guidance when it comes to the covers and things like that under UL67 for that. Okay, all right. So uh, you know, kind of keep that in mind. Um, now, when we're talking about material tolerances of heat and mechanical performance of the circuit breaker and GFCIs and AFCIs and we'll talk specific for this example because it really is across the board but we'll talk about Eaton Cutler Hammer products because I used to be um, a consultant for their ECCN program so I'm more intimate with the Eaton product than I am the Square D but they're all going to be about the same uh, uh, trust me so so when we talk about the tolerances um, that's where we're going to get into what are the material tolerances for heat and the mechanical performance of these breakers and things like that, even panels. All right, so let's give a couple scenarios. So let's say we have a full panel, but they're just standard thermomagnetic circuit breakers. That's it. Okay, and they're running a pretty pretty heavy load. Uh, And let's say, for instance, that we have um, above 50% the rating for the main circuit breaker protecting the panel or 100 amps in a 200 amp service. So let's say we're running the loads being pulled on that main breaker and it's 50% over. So it's it's pulling about 100 amps, okay? And that type of thing. It would be expected to see an average ambient temperature rise of about 15 degrees C, okay? Above the ambient temperature in there. So if I'm about 15 degrees higher, um, not a big deal. Uh, it's be, It would be expected to have that kind of rise in there because it's in the enclosure, not a big deal to be concerned about. You know, that comes straight from the manufacturer. All right. Now, what about AFCIs? Now, let's do this. An AFCI circuit breaker consuming less than one watt of power. Okay. So that's about all that the breaker okay, consumes. Uh, so what are we talking about when it comes to AFCI devices? Well, it really means this. There's only really about one watt of power 
that's running the electronics. However, that one watt of power is going to contribute over and above the normal mechanical components that are contributing the heat, like we said above, about 15%. So you could get anywhere between another 5 to 10% heat rise uh, over the ambient for a AFCI device. So that takes it from 15 for the, from a normal non-electronic standard thermomagnetic circuit breaker to now a thermomagnetic mechanical component breaker with an AFCI function that could put an additional 5 to 10% onto that. So you go from 15 to possibly 20 or even 25 degrees of rise just through the contribution, okay, of this electronics that are involved. Now, move even further. What if we have what's called an, an, an arc fault and a ground fault circuit breaker? We call dual function. What could that add to the component? Because now we have two different aspects that are contributing here. Well, the manufacturers have taken this into consideration. So let's look at some scenarios. So an AFCI, GFCI dual function uh, circuit breaker. Again, that's not a combination. A combination is looking for parallel and series arcs, so don't get the two confused. We're talking about a dual function. It serves both. Now, it's going to pull slightly more than one ot based on the manufacturer's information. So the internal temperature. Now, if I were to put all AFCI and GFCI uh, combination, uh, excuse me, <laughs> see, I did it myself, dual function devices in a panel, then I would expect to rise anywhere from, you know, I guess 10 to 20%. Because they are working as a normal function, they're going to add a little bit extra, so probably about 20 degrees C uh, or 18 to 36 degrees Fahrenheit additional uh, rise is what we're going to get. However, that's not realistic. Most panels are going to have a mixture of circuit breakers, thermomagnetic, and they're going to have AFCIs or GFCI combinations in there. Okay, so the dual function devices. So they're going to have a mixture of all. All right, so in these dual function devices with thermomagnetics and everything, it's conceivably you could expect to see a 25 to 30 degree C rise. So there is a differential between what you might get on a normal breaker, which could be 15 degrees over ambient, to now you've got as much as 30 degrees if you have a mixture in there. Okay, so this heat rise at the hottest part, okay, the hottest part of the exposed panel cover could radiate and you could feel that increase of heat up to about 30 degrees C or 54 degrees Fahrenheit, all right? So let's throw this into perspective. Uh, let's say I have a garage. In a garage, I have a, in a garage, let's say I'm 38 degrees C. That roughly is about 100 degrees Fahrenheit in that garage. Um, it would not be surprising, nor would it be unsafe to see a panel as warm as 65 degrees C or 150 degrees Fahrenheit. Now remember, the ambient or the area that it's in was only 38 degrees C. It just increased all the way up 50 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not unheard of, and it's not uncommon, and it's not unsafe. Okay, so the material in those circuit breakers, again, are designed and tested to function at a much, 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 much higher temperature than 65 C or 150 degrees Fahrenheit. They are. They're designed that way. So you shouldn't be concerned. So understand the different nuances, what these devices are, or the parameters that they're, they're in. Again, I usually tell people a rule of thumb is that when you're dealing with a lot of AFCIs and GFCIs in, in there with normal breakers, that you could see a rise up to potentially 30 degrees C higher than the ambient. It could even be higher. 
It could be up as much as 50 degrees or 54 degrees Fahrenheit higher than the ambient. And it's okay. Okay? It's perfectly fine. All right? So hopefully that helps you ease your, your mind. I have a lot of home inspectors, for example, who test these breakers and do a lot of things like that. It's just kind of my way. Now, this information is, is directly available from Eaton Cutler Hammer. Uh, they have what's called an application paper. Uh, it's called application paper AP003001EN that you can search for in the Internet. Just put in there Eaton application paper and then put AP003001EN. And uh, maybe I'll put the link to it down in the bottom. But if I don't, just simply search for that. Um, these standards are going to be pretty much the same for all manufacturers. Okay, um, Trust me. Just because the breakers are a little warmer. Again, I gave you a classic example where you might have a garage that's 38 degrees C uh, or 100 degrees Fahrenheit. And you might test the breakers and they might be at 150 degrees C. A, to- a total of 50 degrees more Fahrenheit. Okay? And it's okay. Not a concern. Okay? All right. Well, hopefully you got something out of that. And uh, again, I love the topics. Send me topics. You want me to tell you about something or pull some information from it for you? Um, You know, remember that 486 is the root of of the breaker. And then, of course, you have 943 for the GFCI function. And then you have a 1699 that's going to cover the AFCI functions. So they still have to be tested to meet their functions, but ultimately they also have to pass the UL489 as well. Okay, So you have all these things that are involved in testing these breakers. All right? All right, till next time, folks. Stay safe. God bless. Oh, visit our website, masterthenec.com. Share it with your friends. Share it on message boards. Share it on forums. I appreciate the support we get from the thousands of people that send us emails. I'm hoping that you learned something. Send me emails about future topics. You want us to talk about something? Then we'll, we'll do it. Send it. Um, so, again, my email address is info, I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com or info at electricalcodeacademy.com. And I respond to all of my emails. Uh, Feel free to get in touch with me any way you can. We have message forums. You can leave an email on our website. Uh, If you go to our website, at the top you'll see our Facebook, our Twitter, our LinkedIn, our uh, YouTube links. Uh, Most of my videos are going to be over on YouTube if they're not all uploaded on the website. Uh, But you can listen to all my podcasts right from the website if you want, or you can go to YouTube and listen to them. So share them. Hope you learned something from them. God bless. Until next time, stay safe. Bright. Every day is another beginning.